Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Visit the Northeast of Scotland podcast with me, your host, Jacqueline von Lanacker. In today's episode, we're speaking with Callum Lockerbie, owner of Bothies and Bannocks. Callum is a local lad with a passion for top quality seasonal produce and provides a range of fun and informative food and drink experiences in the Deeside area of Aberdeenshire. Callum is the type of person who is busy with lots of different things, including working as a part-time butcher for a local rare breed pig farmer, assisting at farmer's markets, and generally lending a hand to his many friends. Callum was a trained chef for several years, which is how he developed his passion for food and drink in the Northeast. The idea of starting his own foodie-related business had been brewing for a while, and not long ago, the time was right to launch his new adventure. Good afternoon, Callum, and thank you for joining me today here at Tornacoy. Is that how you say I can never Tornicoil. pronounce it. Tornacoy. There we go. Which is a lovely uh, hotel restaurant here in Bankery. We've got a beautiful view of the autumn colours here from the window. Today we're going to be speaking about food and drink tourism in particular, a little bit about your history and about your own business within the food and drink as well. So let's start off uh, with a bit of background on yourself uh, within catering and hospitality and ultimately how that helped you set up your business. When I was younger, I spent a lot of time in the kitchen at home with my mum. I always thought I was helping. She might disagree and say I was, I was more in the way than anything else, but I always had a keen interest in, in cooking and, and I was brought up in good quality food as well. As I got a bit older, I started spending a lot of time in the working part-time in the local hotel kitchens, just kind of kitchen portraying sort of stuff and, and a wee bit of chef and work. Uh, when I left school, I went and did a modern apprenticeship as a chef. One day a week at college, the rest of the time working uh, full-time in the kitchens, which kind of led me to, to working in, in kitchens all over Scotland and the French Alps. And it gave me a real passion for cooking, a passion for the good quality of produce. I really enjoyed the buzz of commercial kitchens. Mm-hmm. It was a good, fun place to be. It was hectic, it was fun, it was good when I was a bit younger. Uh, unfortunately, kind of over time, that love for the, the hecticness of the kitchens kind of went, left me a little bit. You know, it was long hours, it was hard mm-hmm. work. Eventually, I, I kind of came away from it. It was actually my time away from it where I started to enjoy cooking more and I started to get more passionate about the, the produce that was around about us. Was cooking a conscious choice for you or was it something you fell into? It just kind of fell into it, you know. It was... There was work available. It was close to home, and it was it was easy. So I mean, I I landed in kitchens by by default almost, mm-hmm. you know. But as I say, I enjoyed my time there, and yeah, ultimately, it's led to where I'm at today. I think, you know, over the years being away from it, I started spending more time helping out with various producers and working at farmers markets for people. I always had loads of ideas of starting my own foodie businesses. Uh, some of them were good, some of them weren't so good. Mm-hmm. I almost took over a deli shop in Afford many years ago, and that never quite pulled off. And one day I was kind of swanning about a farmer's market, yapping to people, buying my produce, as I usually do on a Saturday morning. I went home and I was sat in my kitchen with a few beers, looking at what I bought, thinking, what am I going to make? And that led me to the idea of my market day cookery class, which started this whole this whole food tour idea. 
before I knew it, in order to, to run my market day cookery class, I had to go and buy a bus and then I had a vehicle and then I thought, oh, you know, what else could I do with this? Mm-hmm. And I started researching what I could do, what I could offer food and drink tour-wise. Okay, so you've named your, your business Bothies and Bannocks. <laughs> I know you've done quite a bit of research to settle on the names. How did you settle on Bothies and Bannocks? Do you know, I really wish I could take the full credit for this, but it all came about with a group chat with some pals of mine uh, where I said, look guys, I'm, I'm planning on doing a, a food and drink tour business. You know, can you help me with some name ideas? And there were some fairly boring, stupid names thrown about. There were some really good ones thrown about. My pal Dave came up with a, I think it was Bothy's Ballads and something he had suggested. And that got me thinking and took me down this line and, and Bannocks had been mentioned somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And I thought, mm, OK, what's well, distinctive? And and after kind of looking at it for a while, I started to quite like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good conversation, to starter, because not many people really know much about Bothys or Bannocks. Yeah, and yeah. remember a Facebook post, I think, where you asked the question, what is a bannock? And there was loads of conversation was, yeah. in different areas. That was just in the early days of this. And I mean, I had a good, I mean, I thought I knew every different type of bannock in the country. But when I put that, that was on a, a Scotland-wide, uh, you know, Scotland from the roadside Facebook page. And I put up this post asking exactly that. And, and the responses from all over the country were wild, you know. And it was interesting that 40 miles down the road in Angus, a bannock's an oak cake. Yeah, up here in the northeast, to us, a bannock's a, a pancake. Uh, but across the country, down in down in the borders, it's a fruit loaf style yes. thing. Yeah. Up in Orkney, they've got one that they make from bear barley, a hardy kind of Orkney barley that survives the wind up there. Uh-huh. It, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting conversation starter. And the Bothy side of things, well, I mean, to me. Growing up, but Bothy was a, a farm outbuilding where you would, you, you know, workers would go and have their fly or have their have their lunch or whatever. Mm-hmm. Traditionally, they would have been buildings that the, the farm workers lived in, to spend their off time in. Uh, there's a lot of the Aberdeenshire's Bothy history is kind of well documented through the Bothy ballads. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a topic for another day. Don't get me started it is. Oh well, we'll, well, in other future episodes, we'll actually be talking <laughs> we more about that. that. Yeah. I mean, the both is a similar thing as well. To, to different people, they've got different meanings across the country. I mean, nowadays it's most commonly used for the, the mountain bothies where hill walkers would go and, and take refuge for a warm-up and, and their lunch or, mm-hmm. or base themselves for a few days touring in the hills. But to me, a bothie is kind of all about eating, drinking and sharing stories. Yeah. So it kind of landed perfect for what I'm doing. In your work, you seem to wear a few different hats. So you've got your tour business, you work within catering and, and farmer's markets, you work with a couple of food and drink producers as well. So can you tell us a little bit more about the kind of things that you do now? I've always quite liked doing a bit of this and a bit of that, keeping in with different industries and different interests of mine. And I mean, quite often I would just help somebody out at a farmer's market and it might result in a, a box of beer for me or some f- food for my supper for my afternoon's work. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's quite a nice way of working, really. You know, if you can help somebody out and get your meal out of it, you know, it's a, it's a winner. Uh, I spend a lot of time working with Louise's Farm Kitchen. Uh, I've been kind of helping Louise out for a long time now. She is, well, traditionally a cattle and, and sheep farmer uh, outside Lomfannon. She 
had an idea for her 30th birthday that she would do a, a hog for a hog host. She got a few kind of rare breed pigs and, and did this for her, for her 30th birthday. And it was a great success. The friends and family loved it. She ended up thinking, oh, what can I do with this? And she mm-hmm. started selling, you know, meat boxes to friends and family. It's funny, actually, the first time I bought meat from Louise, uh, I phoned her up and said, oh, I hear you're selling pork. And she said, yeah, I'm, uh, I said, oh, I wouldn't mind a box. And she said, do you want a whole pig or a half pig? <laughs> well, I wasn't quite thinking of that much, but I said, give me a half pig. And, and uh, so I got a half pig box in it. And things just kind of went on from there. I ended up saying to her, well, you know, if you ever need a hand in markets or catering or anything like that, just give me a shout. And that's probably four years now I've helped out with various events and shows, festivals, weddings, uh, markets. And mm-hmm. yeah, so it's been good fun. And is it with your work with Louise that you went and did your butchery course last year? Yes, it was. Louise went into the butchery course with intention of eventually setting up her own on-farm butchery. Here we are three years later, it's now, hmm, two years later, sorry, it's now happened. And we got speaking and I said I would like to learn a bit more about butchery. It's something that as a chef you, you kind of learn a little bit about. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you don't know the, the, the full ins and outs of it. And to be honest, a two-week-long course doesn't teach you doesn't make you a master butcher but it teaches you the basics did the butchery course help you develop your product offerings with louise or are you able to do other freelance work with with those skills well yeah i mean what's happened now since louise has built the butchery on the farm and me and her are working in there kind of two or three days a week doing all our own stuff it's given us much more time to work on new products Mm -hmm. uh, work on ideas which is great fun you know we can you know, we, we, we try things and we, we eat loads of nice things. And some of them are big success, some of them aren't, but you can just move on to the next. And within your tours, you would go to your farmer's markets in the morning to get your ingredients, and we'll speak about your tours in more detail later on. You have the opportunity now to see a farmer's market from both vantage points, yeah. both from the producer and selling your wares and goods, but also from a consumer and from your guests so what are some of the things people uh, say about the farmers markets what are your experiences around that i love farmers markets i love being at farmers markets whether i'm a customer or whether i'm you know working and it's it's always nice just being out and meeting producers and that's what when people come to the market with me on my tours they say a lot of them have been to loads of markets before, but they never engage in so much conversation with the producer. And I always say to people, you know, that's important. That's that's what you're there for. It's to not only just buy what you're buying, but it's to find out more about it and find out how it came to, to be at the market. You know, I mean, and when I'm working for the likes of Louise and we're handing out, maybe if we're handing out sausage samples somewhere, you know, it's a great feeling knowing that I'm standing there with, you know, the farmers who, who rear the meat and then we butchered it, processed it, made our own sausages. You know, it's a great feeling to be selling something like that that you know from start to finish to mm-hmm. the customer. You know, and take quite good pride in, in saying that we're selling good quality, rare breed pork sausages, you know. And are people interested in that process and how you did maybe people, recipe development or how you've reared them? People are interested in different things. The likes of the more agricultural shows we go to, the farmers are there to yap about, you know, how these things were, were, were reared. And if you go to the more foodie side of things, people are more interested in how you got to 
the, the end product mm-hmm. as such. But we meet all sorts of customers at the markets. The people I really like meeting at the markets, the person who has come out to buy something special, and they know maybe the, the person who maybe doesn't want to buy supermarket meat, they want to buy high-quality meat. Mm-hmm. So they know that by coming out and speaking to us and we can help them get the perfect bit of meat for their Sunday roast, you know, that's that's always a good, good feeling because you yeah. know that this person really appreciates what he's got mm-hmm. and what he's a way to do with it. The food history for Aberdeenshire, uh, what would you consider is like a traditional dish for the region? There's many traditional dishes. For me, from the coast, Colin Skink is my absolute favourite. Fish chowder made from smoked fish and potatoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, very traditional to the, the northern side of, of the, the coastal areas. I've actually got a recipe that my mum got from an old fishwife in Macduff many years ago. But, I mean, traditionally, you know, we've, we've been big kind of beef and lamb producers. I suppose traditionally we don't actually eat as much lamb as we produce in the northeast of Scotland, which is a shame because, you know, we are producing some mm-hmm. of the best lamb in the world. Uh, you know, we were always quite, quite plain and simple with our cooking back uh, traditionally. A lot of slower cooking cuts of meat, a lot of stews and a lot of soups and a lot of nice kind of, you know, health hearty desserts. Mm-hmm. And a lot of our dishes used kind of oats as a mainstay as well. We've always used a lot of oats traditionally. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, things are kind of changing a wee bit now. Um, you know, we've still got the same great produce, but our chefs seem to be much more creative. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're heavily influenced from their classic kind of French training. And what we're now seeing is much more advanced cooking techniques taken to good produce, mm-hmm. and it's resulted in some seriously good food being produced yeah. and, and cooked in, in restaurants out and about. Do you have a favourite from your childhood? A stew, a lamb stew from the lamb neck. So the lamb neck taken on the bone mm-hmm. and cut into kind of also buco style steaks. And stewed long and slow. It was a, a nice one with with nice suet dumplings in it. It's always a, a classic Sunday in our house. Yeah. What would you recommend that people who are visiting Aberdeenshire in the northeast of Scotland, what would you recommend they try? Is there anything that you would say, don't leave without having tasted whatever? God, where do I start with that? I mean, I wouldn't let anyone leave a visit here without tasting the famous Aberdeen buttery. You yes. Know, the Rowie is a is a Oh see, buttery and Rowie. Well, you know, I mean oh, the thing is the Chukters tend to call it a, a buttery and the, the Tunesers call it a Rowie. It depends where you where sit you in Aberdeenshire that <laughs> determines what you call it. But for me, I mean uh, for breakfast the Rowie uh, from the Highlanders Bakehouse up here in, in Crathy. Mm-hmm. Shown as a fantastic baker and I think she's making the best Butteries going. They are nice. Uh, yeah. They're really nice. Yeah. Um, one of them with some some butter from Forfers North Street Dairy, and some of my mum's wild raspberry jam. Is one that sounds like a perfect breakfast combination. It, it does indeed. And then I mean, back to the Colin Skink again. I think you know you, you can you can come to Aberdeenshire without having a bowl of Colin Skink. The the best advice would be to get people into some of our fine dining restaurants as well. Mm-hmm. Places like the Tornacoil here, the Caldrummy Inn, Doonside House. There's a lot of good chefs in Aberdeenshire. Mm-hmm. Some of them have been around 
a while now. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Littlewood, the owner of, of this place, the Tornacoil here, and the Kilgummy Inn. Well, yeah. you know, I, I know you had the chance to meet with uh, Ross Cochran yes. lately, have you? Yeah. yeah. You know, another kind of good chef, young, exciting, doing a lot of good work. Mm-hmm. We spoke in the, the, actually it's the previous episode to this one with Ross, uh, and spoke about doing, you know, food experiences and, and a number of the, good quality restaurants that are available in the area but it's not just that it's, it's also a growing trend and in, in certainly in recent years where a lot of the producers are starting to offer more experiences as well so yeah. Campbell's Omey for example they've been developing their products and yeah. they're now starting to do uh, cheese tours and tastings etc there's a number of food and uh, drink producers around in, in the Royal Side area as well where you can learn the process of how they make gins and rums and absinths and I know that's one of the things on your tours as well so that's a nice segue to getting back onto Bothy's and Vanix um, and can you give us some examples of the types of tours that you're doing with Bothy's and Vanix? Well I mean you just pretty much told everyone exactly <laughs> all, these, all these things uh, all these things in the northeast here have just started Appearing, the, the food producers have started really developing their tourism side of things, uh, which has made developing tours for me very easy. It's given me a huge range of places to to experience and take people to. I've got a range of kind of set itinerary tours that I do. As I mentioned earlier, my market day cookery class was the one that started it all. That's a case of coming out to the market in the morning, a farmer's market in the morning, where we meet the producers, we have a yap, we have some samples of things, of coffee, and between us as a group, we kind of decide what we're going to buy based on seasonality and what's available on the day. Mm-hmm. We then uh, take a, a trip to a speciality drink shop where we can buy some nice beer, wine, whatever you like, to take to the kitchen with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we head back into the kitchen where we meet a chef pal of mine who runs a kind of combination of hands-on cookery class and demo-style stuff. Right. And we rustle up a, a kind of three-course meal and sit and have some nice drinks. And that, that's that been a big success, really. It's, it's worked quite well. Mm-hmm. Another couple of my set itinerary tours are the Royal Whiskey and Cheese one for, for overseas tourists more because it's a nice drive out through Deeside. Mm-hmm. We visit, as you mentioned, the Canvas of May. They produce top quality farmhouse cheeses and they take you for a wee tour of the place and we taste and it's really quite nice and then we head over to the Royal Walk in the Guard distillery where we get a tour and a tasting there mm-hmm. and we stop for some nice lunch in Balter and head back into Aberdeen you mentioned international visitors. Do you get a good mix of international and locals? Or well, is there a different audience for the type of tour? Different audience for the type of tour. The one I just mentioned, the whiskey and cheese one, seems to attract the overseas visitors more. The Spirits of the Angus Glens one, where we head down down into Angus there and we go to Ogilvy Vodka, discover Scotland's first potato vodka. We have a nice kind of brunch at the Castleton Farm Shop. And we head to... The gin bothy, I know it's a, a favourite of yours now yes, as well. Yes, yes. Where we sit and we get treated to a nice kind of four or five full pour gins. Yeah. That seems to be appealing more to locals. The Aberdeen Angus and Absinthe tour I offer, uh, where we 
visit Carrington Farm and meet Farmer Ken and we get to see us kind of guys winning Aberdeen Angus Bulls that he's very proud of and then we head down to the Lost Lock Distillery where we discover Scotland's first absinthe mm-hmm. um, that seems to be appealing more to groups of young guys funnily enough Do you think the whiskey is more popular because that's what Scotland is really known for even though gin seems to almost be surpassing whiskey in some respects obviously whiskey is going to be the still is the biggest export in terms of drink gin is a really close second well it is and the thing is i don't think you know scotland will never lose its its whiskey you know people people when they think of scotland they think of whiskey yeah you know it's the first thing they think of Uh, i mean as far as food and drink goes it's almost the only thing they think of maybe our aberdeen angus cattle or our, our highland cows are you know up there with it mm-hmm. but it's certainly the, the things that people think about there's been the question around highland cows you've mentioned them just now mm-hmm. and some people don't realize that they are a a product that you eat the highland cows sometimes they think it's just something you look at like a pet yeah it always seems bizarre to me because i mean a highland cow is not a great pet but it's a great steak <laughs> You know, so the uh, yes, they're nice and and they're they're everywhere. But I mean, they are really they, they produce a wonderful beef. You know, the beef that comes from Highland cattle is it's up there with the best. You know, have your guests been surprised with what's on offer and available in Aberdeenshire when you've done your farmers markets or your your whiskey tours? Yes, they have. Uh, I mean, as much the overseas guests are. are surprised with some things but so, so are the locals uh, you know I'd say the locals I mean in you know Scotland and England UK visitors a lot of them have no idea that we have such a wide range of food and drink on offer and that not only that we're producing such good food and drink but that there's so much tourism surrounding it mm-hmm. and I mean I really like taking out people from you know if, if I go to Aberdeen and take a group out here and they say, oh, I, I had no idea this, that this was here. Or, oh, is that where that's made? Or, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. And I think that is a really interesting direction that we're going in within Aberdeenshire. Is, you know, we, we have, with Visit Aberdeen and Opportunity Northeast especially, really been looking at food and drink tourism and, and how to develop that and how to showcase you know, some of our wonderful offerings. So... If you had a crystal ball, and I know this is an impossible question, but where do you see the future of food and drink tourism for Aberdeen? In my view, we're producing some of the best food and drink in the world in Aberdeenshire. And traditionally, you know, people of the northeast have never been very big about shouting about what they do. We never want to share things. We're never ones to boast, you know, and we just quietly kind of work away and work very hard at making the best of, of, of produce but not actually telling anyone or sharing it mm-hmm. so as you mentioned Viz Aberdeenshire and Opportunity Northeast have done a huge amount of work in building this reputation and getting people more visitor friendly and setting up kind of little tour offerings on their farms or on their sites and their distilleries and such like tourism numbers were building uh, I mean, the, the, this season, I think, was going to be a bumper season in tourism mm-hmm. in general. Yeah. And I think if we were to look 
at you know the, the food and drink side of that was going to be bigger than it's ever been. I'm still positive it's going to take off. Mm-hmm. Uh, the momentum's been building; it's still building. I mean, the people are doing a huge amount of work in the background, and there's still an appetite for people oh. to go and visit. Well, there is, you know. Yeah. I mean, I'm getting inquiries from all over the place with people still keen to come and move about and and see what's on offer. What would you say to encourage visitors to the northeast of Scotland? Why should they make a point of coming here? Well, you know, the northeast of Scotland's often been overlooked, I would say. The, you know, the, the, the big Scotland tours kind of bypass us. They, they kind of come in, you know, Edinburgh, Glasgow, uh, Loch Lomond, up to Loch Ness and, and back down the west coast and home again. And they kind of miss out the main chunk of, of the northeast, and I mean even you know down into Angus and and Fife even is mm-hmm. quite often missed out. You know, I mean that, that's the other thing with the northeast, the the weather. Uh, I mean it's the driest part of the country next to Fife. Uh, we've got no midges. Yes. You know? we, yes. We, have, we have small midgey numbers, but nothing like the west coast has. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and with with that amount of sunshine and and the kind of rolling landscape, as I said, it's not as Epic as the West Coasts, but it's it's nice. Uh, obviously, as I've said, we've got the best food and drink. I think we've got the best tour guides as well. <laughs> does uh, that include me? Of course it does. Of course it does. Uh, I know you were speaking to another local tour guide a couple of weeks ago as well, yeah. Alistair. Mm-hmm. You know, happy to to share the place with visitors. There's nowhere I can think of in the Northeast that's overly touristy either. Mm-hmm. It's not an overly touristy place. Mm-hmm. So what you get is a kind of real authentic feel for for the place. Yeah. You know? Callum, thank you very much for telling us about your experiences and some of your tours. Uh, thanks again to Tornacoy for hosting us for this interview today. And we will make some information available both about Bothies and Bannocks and a number of the other food and drink experiences that you can find in and around Aberdeenshire. We'll put those on our blog posts on our website so you can go back and reference those as well. And um, all that is left to say is is thank you again and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you, Jacqueline.